uh, Engineers Without Borders uh, from Boulder. The team has been in there. They're doing three projects, and the, this completes the second one, I believe. And he sent a, a picture of what took place. Just got that yesterday. And so you can see the water tanks that have been installed in, in this uh, second place. And so these three projects are going to bring water to over 4,000 people there in Chinaka, at Rwanda. That's Pastor Willie. For those of you who don't know, he's um, part of our family. He's the one we work with. So I thought you'd be excited to see that and to hear what was going on. All right. So uh, as I start this morning, I want to go back to a word that was given to us some years ago. And if you've been around here a while, you remember the word. Do you remember the word when we were told that vine life is in an unstoppable move of the Spirit? You remember that, right? And uh, I remember how excited we were to get that word. And the Lord has added other things to it, like, you know, he's going to do new things. And so these words come, and we get real excited about it, don't we? It's just like, and it happens to us individually, and it's happened to us corporately. The only thing is that we don't realize that when God releases those words, that our circumstances often just turn very opposite of what God has said. So he speaks, you're in an unstoppable move of the Spirit, and then everything takes place that looks like it's trying to stop the move of the Spirit. And so there's opposition. You know, every word of the Lord is what? Tested. And so, so every word of the Lord being tested, that's kind of what I want to talk about today, is what do you do when, you know, these things come that are in opposition and your circumstances become overwhelming and you know the challenge becomes relentless it's just like i don't know if you've ever been here but you know something happens it feels negative to you and you go what next you know it's like one more thing and you've never been there right (laughs) what do you do when the bad circumstances seem to be piling up on you you know that i like the waltons and i guess everybody here knows the Waltons, right? And uh, one of the Walton brothers, Ben, he goes. He has a problem. He sells cars, and he sells a car to a local lady, and she's a widow, and the car breaks down right away. And so he's uh, at his family's meal time, and his family is giving him the what for. You sold that piece of junk car to a widow? You know, how could you do that? So his whole family is giving him a hard time about what he's done, and he's got a problem right now, and he doesn't know what to do with it, so he decides to go to John Boy. And so he goes to John Boy and says, you know, I, got, I don't know what to do with this problem. I don't have any money. I, I can't fix this. And, you know, it, so he's... He's just feeling overwhelmed with the problem. His whole family is kind of against him for what he's done. And John Boy tells him something. He says, you've had good times. Now let's see how you handle the bad ones. And I thought about that, and I thought, hmm, that's how life feels sometimes. You've had good times. Now what are you going to do with the bad ones? Well, Fortunately, there's, a, there's some good direction in the Scripture about what to do with those times that seem like the bad times for us. And it's in, I'm going to pronounce it Habakkuk, that's the way I've always pronounced it all these years. Chapter 3, verse 17, there's some instruction here of what to do when the circumstances are difficult and you're in the bad times. 
He says, and he explains the bad times by saying this, Though the fig tree should not blossom, and there be no fruit on the vines, though the yield of the olive should fail, and the fields produce no food, though the flock should be cut off from the fold, and there be no cattle in the stalls. These are not happy times. Things are not going well. I mean, this is a list of things that are not going well. I don't know, have you ever, I mean, there's been times I've been tempted. I think I'm just going to go make a list of everything that's gone wrong in my life right now. Anybody identify with that? Yeah. That's what he's listing out. He's, he's listening. And this is serious stuff because this is food. This is, you know, this is, you know, you're going to starve. You, you know, this is life and death stuff. This is not just, you know, I have a headache. This, this, is, a, this is serious stuff that he's dealing with. But he gives us in the next, next thing he says, he gives us the answer of what you do when the circumstances seem to pile up and be negative and things seem to all be going wrong, his answer is this, yet I will exalt in the Lord. I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength. So he's telling us that in the midst of these negative circumstances, what we're to do is we are to stand in the presence of God and we are to praise him. We are to exalt his name and give praise to him. And, and what he says that will do is it will release strength to you in the midst of the circumstances and the problems. It will release strength to you. Sometimes God doesn't remove the problems. He strengthens you in the problem. Yeah. And that's what he says standing in God's presence will do. It will give you that kind of strength. Now, we, we are made to stand in his presence, not to live or fall under our problems. We're made to stand in his presence. That's what I loved about what we did this morning in worship. Thank you, worship team. That was, that was just beautiful. So beautiful just to be in the Lord's presence. We're, the Levites... A job assignment in, in Deuteronomy 10.8, their job assignment was to carry the presence of God, the ark of God, and stand in his presence. That's what their job was. See, that's our job description. That's your job description, is to stand in the presence of God. It, uh, it tells us uh, about Gabriel when he went to Zacharias to announce to Zacharias that he's going to have a son who's going to be John the Baptist. And Zacharias is saying, how am I going to know that this is going to take place? Because I'm an old man. My wife is old. You know, how can this possibly be? And, and this is what uh, the angel says to him. It says, the angel answered and said to him, I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God and been sent to speak to you and bring to you this good news. Notice the sequence here, the order, the priority. The first thing he says he does is he stands in God's presence. Standing in God's presence is what, when God speaks to him, whenever that is, that's when he goes and delivers the good news. So our priority is to first 
Stand in his presence. That's, that's what we're... Because out of his presence is what, what will flow out of his presence is hearing God and then, and then speaking what God is saying and doing what God is doing. And so it's, I'm just making a point here that through the scripture we find that our priority, our job description, is to stand in the presence of God. That's who we are. Elijah even said this when he talked to Ahab and was going to announce to him that uh, there would be no rain for three years. He said, I am, as the Lord God lives, Lord God of Israel lives, before whom I stand. So he identified, this is 1 Kings 1 1. So he identified himself as one who stands in God's presence. That's where his authority came from. That's his identity. That's who he is. I'm one who stands in God's presence. The writer in Jude, in the New, Jude, excuse me, in Jude, in the New Testament, picks this up and, and affirms this to us and encourages each one of us as believers and says in Jude 124, I love this. He said, now to him, speaking about God, who is able to keep you. Any yous in here? Bah. (laughs) Who is able to keep you from what? Stumbling. And to make you what? Stand in the presence of his glory, blameless with great joy. That's what we're made for. We're made to stand in his presence, blameless with great joy. That's what we're made for. But our circumstances and our problems will try to stop that and try to cut that off and try to put us under our problems. And so instead of feeling like we're in his presence, we will feel like we're in our problems. Because the enemy of our soul does not want us to experience the joy of God's presence. The peace that comes from only being in God's presence. And the love that he wants us to absorb and to live in as sons and daughters of God. Those whose the judgment has been completely removed from us. And all of God's wrath and anger has been taken away. It's gone. Our origin is in him. We're his beloved children, sons and daughters. And the performance thing is over and done because of what Jesus has done. And now we're free to stand holy and blameless, loved by him. But our circumstances in life, our problems in life will try to assail us. Now, adversity is more than one problem. It's enough to have, I mean, it's bad enough to have one problem, right? But when you have problem upon problem upon problem upon problem, that's called adversity. And uh, and what it will try to do is to take you out of the sense of being in God's presence and take away your joy and take away your peace and make you depressed and hopeless and take away your faith and and, you know, pretty soon you start thinking, does God know what I'm going through? Does he know my address? Does he understand what I'm dealing with? Where is he? You've never had that happen, right? <laughs> so there are many things that challenge our standing in the presence of God. But I want to close by talking about two, two things that I think are major challenges 
that we have to overcome to be able to stand in God's presence and praise Him. And when we do, that's going to, in the midst of the circumstances, even though the circumstances don't change, He says He will strengthen us. He will give us strength to be overcomers. So two major things, and then I'm going to ask Pastor Didi to come and help us uh, and pray, and also the ministry team. Uh, I'm sorry, the worship team. We're going to worship it a little bit. So the first thing that we have to deal with is unforgiveness or bitterness. And Hebrews twelve fifteen tells us this. See to it that no one comes short of the grace of God. And I like the way uh, it's in the, stated in the mirror that uh, when you call, fall short of the grace of God, he says, Francois talks about you, you stop flying. So when we, when we fall from grace, this place that we're designed to live in, in, you know, in, in his strength and in his joy, you know, this, I, I, you know, this place of freedom in the spirit, um, when we become bitter, we stop flying and we fall to the ground with a thud. And what he says happens to us, is is that um, um, we, we see to it that you don't fall short of the grace of God, that no root of bitterness spring up and cause trouble. We all know bitterness causes trouble, right? In our life, everybody around us, he says, by it many will be defiled. So when you have somebody who's caught in bitterness and they've stopped flying, they're, they're, they're bitter and angry, maybe not only what they have done or what somebody else has done to them. When, they, when you get into that place, you cannot stand in the presence of God with great joy when you have offense and judgment against another person. It doesn't, you can't do that. What does he say when he instructed his disciples to pray? He said, pray like this, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. So he's saying the way you want to be forgiven is the way you must forgive other people. So we have to forgive. That's the first issue that I think is very important that we remember we have to deal with in order to stand in his presence. When somebody has offended us, and I had a time, I think of some years ago when I was pastoring in Texas, and somebody deeply, deeply wounded me. I felt very offended. And I was reading along, and uh, it says, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. You familiar with that scripture? And uh, I'm thinking, yeah. God is going to get them for what they did to me. You've never thought that way. And so, <laughs> so, in that moment, the Lord speaks to me. And he says, I've got another way of dealing with that. And I said, what's that? He said, if you will forgive them, I don't have to do anything to harm them. I can just choose to bless you more. That's how I will repay. Vengeance is mine, I will repay. How will he repay? He doesn't have to repay them with evil. He can just repay you with more blessing. If you'll forgive. 
So before I go to the second point that we want to deal with for relief today, I want to stop on this one because I know that we all have to deal with this about forgiveness. You know, what's your love level? Where's your love level today? How high is the love level? And in any place that's, you know, as I'm speaking, possibly the Holy Spirit has brought somebody to mind or some people to mind that have deeply offended you, wounded you, even abused you. And you, you have to, you have to get free from that to stand in His presence. Because that's what you're made for. You're made to stand in His presence. And not to be under the problems. But you've got to start by forgiving. So would you bow your heads? And as I'm speaking this morning, some of you right now, there's a name or names or people or situations that you need to forgive. And you just need to be free. You You may even start with yourself. Lord, forgive me for what I've said, for what I've done. Just looking for cleansing here of that thing that just keeps you stuck. And, and, and if it's somebody else, you, I would just encourage you to quietly under your breath there, speak their name. Father, I forgive and fill in the blank. I forgive them. I'm not bringing judgment. I'm not bringing condemnation. I'm releasing them emotionally from this. And I speak forgiveness to them right now. And Lord, release your love on them and release your love on me. I've been wounded by them. I've been hurt by them. I've been offended by them. But I release forgiveness and I release your love on them. And I thank you to release your love on me. And thank you to cleanse me and free me right now. In Jesus' name, just to free me from this bitterness that's defiling me and defiling everybody around me. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. While, while we're in this place of prayer and your eyes are closed, so I just wonder how many I'm connecting with right now. So I'm not asking you to look around. I'm just asking, could I see your hand? I'm wondering how many am I connecting with right here? Okay. Thank you. All right, Father, there's many of us here this morning. There's many of us here right now. We're just intentionally asking for grace. Lord, where we've stopped flying here, we want to come back into this place of grace and freedom and fly freely. Now, where the defilement has been on us, uh, cleanse us. Where we have spoken words against other people, Cleanse us and cleanse them from the effect of any words of bitterness that we've released against them. Lord, any words that people have spoken against us in bitterness, we ask you to break the power of those words that they have spoken against us in bitterness. Thank you, Lord, and judgment. Lord, thank you. Thank you to break the power of those words and the effect of those words and what they've been doing to our spirit and how they've been affecting us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I think, I think we have some, some spiritual transactions taking place here. Do you feel it in the room? 
And I feel it. I just feel his presence. That you're taking this seriously. He's taking us seriously. And forgiveness is flowing. So forgiveness is the first thing that we're going to have to deal with, I think. One of the first major things. And the second major thing is going to be trauma. Now, I haven't understood trauma very well, although I've experienced plenty of it over the years. As a matter of fact, trauma, has I've come to learn through Pastor Didi as she teaches in Freedom Ministry. I've come to learn from Pastor Didi that there's been much trauma that um, I, I've experienced, but I haven't learned how to deal with it. I haven't known what to do with it. Uh, Jesus experienced trauma in uh, the scripture. For those of you who are taking notes, Matthew twenty six thirty eight, bef- just before his crucifixion, he went to the garden to pray, and he is asking his disciples to pray with him. And he went to them and he said, "My soul is deeply grieved to the point of death." Would you say that's trauma? His soul, mind, will, and emotions are so grieved. He said, I'm grieved, I'm so traumatized to the point of death. And then he's asked them, what he asked, that they would pray with him. Now this is what I have discovered about trauma. Trauma, if I could define it like this in the natural, it would be like somebody taking a bucket of ice water and throwing it on you, right? In, this, in, the, in the, your emotions, it's like a bucket of ice water thrown on your emotions or in your thinking and you find in your mind you become obsessive you can't you you you're so traumatized by it that that's all you can think about you obsess about that person or that issue or that problem and it's consumed you it becomes a stronghold against you you're in your emotions you do not have emotional strength you do not feel peace. You do not feel joy. You feel anxious. And you feel depressed. Trauma will do that to you. It, it, it's, you know, the, it, it, will just, it will just freeze you. It will just leave you in this place that it will shake you so much. And, um, you know, again, it leads to depression, anxiety attacks, it leads to all those different kind of things when you're traumatized in your soul. It's, and Jesus shows us something I think is very significant. When he was facing the cross, knowing that he was going to be spiritually, emotionally, and physically traumatized, he knew what was coming. He said, Lord, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. He knew the trauma he was going to face going through the cross. He knew it. And, and what he was asking in that moment of, of entering into this place of trauma is he's saying to his disciples, will you pray with me? Will you just come alongside with me? Now, uh, uh, over a year ago, I had two people in two different occasions not knowing what each other had said. One came to me. And they said, I, I, Pastor Walt, I see you going through a great storm. This was about a year ago they spoke this to me. I see you going through a great storm, but I see you standing and praising the Lord in the midst of the storm. And then the second word that was given to me, uh, Pastor Walt, uh, uh, 
I see everything in your life being turned upside down. But I see you standing and praising the Lord in the midst of it. It was the same word. It was the same word. I see you going through a storm. I see your world being turned upside down. But I see you standing and praising the Lord in the midst of the storm. And I've, I've hung on to that. But I've been traumatized. And I, I couldn't find my way to you know, stand and praise the Lord and find strength. I, I couldn't find it. I couldn't find peace. And I couldn't find joy. I was just so traumatized by this comes, this comes, this comes, and this comes. And what I did is I called Pastor Didi and I said, I think I'm traumatized. Will you pray over me? And when she did, it it lifted off of me. I actually felt it go from me physically. I felt it leave me physically. That's what trauma will do. When you hear her pray, it, it will freeze in your cells it'll freeze in your freeze your thinking it'll, it'll freeze your emotions and when I when I asked her to pray I felt it lift and, and the trauma that was blocking me from experiencing the peace and the joy and the presence of the Lord that that thing left <laughs> Once again, once again, I could just feel myself being free to praise the Lord. Just free to be in His presence. Because we're made to be in His presence. But the enemy of our soul will do everything he can to bury us under the circumstances and the problems that come after us. And to keep us from flying and to fall to the ground with a thud. So what's the remedy? The remedy to this this trauma is a comforting, healing prayer from another believer. Some things you're not going to get through on your own. You're not going to think it through on your own. You're not going to pray it through on your own. You're not going to get through on your own. You're going, it's, it's going to take somebody else to come with comforting prayer, healing prayer. Our God is God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction, that we may comfort others. That's, that's who He is. So I'm going to ask Pastor Didi to come. And before we worship, I'm going to ask her, to pray over us a prayer that will release us from this trauma. Now, if you may, maybe this is an old thing, maybe it can go all the way back through your life, even when you're a child. See, the reason we have addictive problems is because we are in so much pain from the things that have afflicted us and our soul. We have so much pain. We will do anything to deal with that pain. I don't care what it is. 
drugs, alcohol, sex, whatever it is. We will do workaholism. We will do whatever it takes to, to, because of the pain that's inflicted on our soul. But there's another way out. Instead of addictive behaviors, there's a comforting prayer, healing prayer to free us from this trauma. Pastor Didi, is there anything you want to say before you pray? Dr. Caroline Leaf shows in an image of the brain that when we don't forgive, there's actual thorns that are connected to these dark patches of our wrong thinking, of fear-based thinking. But when we forgive, they show instantly those thorns disappear. It's an amazing thing. And then in the dark patches where our thinking is from fear can then get written over and can start to, we can have right thinking. It's an amazing, this is just science observing what Walt's been talking about. So So I'd like to ask you right now to bow your heads and Pastor Dee is going to. This prayer is for those of you who are in this place of trauma. And and if you're not in that place, God wants to use you to help somebody else. And so listen to how she prays because there's, there are keys to how she prays. And you'll be able to help somebody else and pray this over them and free them from the trauma that's in their life. Just as she prayed over me, you'll be able to pray over other people. Pastor Didi, would you pray? Thank you, Lord. Holy Spirit, we just invite you just to rest over every one of us, to be in us and resting on us. We just invite your light just to come. Wherever we have experienced trauma, would you just come and touch us right there? I thank you for Jesus. Thank you that he took all of it on himself. Wherever we're holding it in our being, I just command the release of trauma right now in Jesus' name. Wherever it has touched our spirit and our every facet of our spirit, man, where we cannot perceive you right now, I just speak that it has to go in Jesus' name. In our mind, in our emotions, the energy that it holds, in our ability to choose, in our ability to make decisions, I just command the release of trauma. Every place that we have been frozen in fear, I break the stronghold of shame. The lies that we have inside agreed with because we found ourselves stuck. We break agreement with lies about who we are. We are yours. We are yours. We are your sons and daughters. And so I break off shame and fear 
and control and all of their alliance between them. And I command them to be destroyed right now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord, that we have your mind. We have your thoughts. And so right now I just break all bonds to trauma in our soul. I utterly sever them. And in our physical body, where we have cellular memory, more different things can be triggered where we've hold and stored trauma in our physical being. I just command in the cellular, subcellular particle places of our physical being that trauma would go right now in Jesus' name. If you would just wash us with the blood of Jesus in every cell, in every pattern and loop, everything that would bring up or trigger that energetic bond, I utterly sever it right now in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you that we are marked by you. We are holy unto the Lord. And I just speak that that those marks in our DNA even that are from you, I bless them right now. And every mark or marker, even to our DNA, that has been highlighted or targeted for evil, I just command those marks to be destroyed. As we have you, Jesus, we move into you, even on the cross right now. We just identify with your death. We just move into you as you took it all. You took every trauma. You took every disease. And we just let you have it. When I just speak that, trauma has to go. Spirit, soul, and body, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for taking it. I just thank you for your resurrection life. And I just speak life now into every cell. Every cellular, subcellular particle, I just speak life and the DNA that is whole, that is full of life, that is healthy, that has the instruction for holiness, for goodness, for everything from you, Father. Any place that we have been stuck in time and space, I command our release right now into this place on earth, in time, in eternity. We get to be free. We get to be free to move in the spirit, not bound by time and space, but in eternity, we get to be free, spirit, soul, and body. I just command any doors that have been open in those areas. I just speak the blood of Jesus over them and I command them to be shut. We are free. And I thank you, Lord, that every thought pattern, any defaulted thought pattern, 
pattern in our brains that we fall into that would harbor negative and and demonic uh, voices. I just command those to be rewired, destroyed right now in Jesus' name and that your creative breath would just speak the mind of Christ into our thought patterns. That we would see the way you see. We would think the way you think. We would hear out of our spirit the way you hear. Thank you so much. We have your mind. Thank you for that creation of those thought patterns in our brain. Thank you, Lord, that wholeness, even in our brains, in our mind, your power, your resurrection life would just hover over our thinking. Thank you so much. I did just command everything of evil to be gone in Jesus' name. In the Psalms, David said, Give the kings your judgment, Lord. That's what we're asking for. We want to see the way you see. We want to walk hand in hand as you walk. We no longer live, but you live in us. And this life we walk here in the flesh, we do it by faith. Because you loved us. And you love us, and you gave yourself for us. So we have your life, your mind. Thank you so much. Thank you that we can stand boldly just right where we are and come before you eye to eye to experience your glory, to perceive you, to know you. Thank you so much, Lord. Thank you for your glory. Just to rest over every one of us. Thank you for rest and trust and believing you. We believe you, Lord. We trust you, Lord. Thank you for your glory, Lord. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord.